0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching by Rabbi Cantor Hilary Chorney. We're going to start some, with some very, very basic review of the notion of Devarim, of Deuteronomy. Some of you may truly already know some of the most basic things that I'm about to, to review. But it's important to know to get into what we're about to get into. Devarim is the fifth book of the Torah. We're about to start it next week. Wherever you may have done morning prayers this morning, you may or may not have actually done a siyum on the book of Bamidbar, the fourth book. You may or may not have finished it completely. Because if you did a triennial reading, even though it was the double Torah portion of Matot Maséh, you may or may not have gotten to do the moment of chazak, chazak, venit, chazak, of finishing the Torah portion, because we are in the first of three years of the Torah reading cycle. And in that first of three years, we don't wrap up. We only read the first third of that matot masse reading cycle. Because of that, that means that we haven't completely bridged over to Devarim, but by next week we will be in the book of Devarim. Devarim means either... Words or things or anything else? Any other meaning? Is it sayings? It could be sayings. It could be, dvarim could be like, um, like bituyim uh, comes to mean. Yep, sayings. Very nice. The table. Hi, table. That was nice to hear your voice in the ether. Um, yes it could mean sayings as well Deuteronomy if you break down that word it means something completely different Deuter means second, onomy is telling so a second telling we're not going to get too deeply into this idea but the second telling really means two things we'll briefly touch upon this in a second telling in a literary sense We are going through a second telling of the entire narrative of the first four books of the Torah. And when I say the entire narrative, I really mean only books two, three, and four, because we don't really get a retelling of the Genesis narrative. We don't get a retelling of creation. We don't get a retelling of the patriarchal matriarchal line, right? There's none of that really in Devarim. We don't get a retelling of the Joseph narrative, which takes up many, many parshas, chapters, however you want to divide it in the first book. We really get a retelling of the narrative that's lived by, seen through the eyes of Moshe, of the character of Moshe, which is fitting because Devarim is really in the eyes of or in the mouth of Moshe, who is standing on the banks of the river, looking into the promised land, telling this story before he's about to go in. Spoiler alert, he won't. The the people are going to go in, he won't. He knows that. He's been told that. It's been foretold. The second telling means something else as well. The second telling has to do with the fact that this book, this fifth book of the Torah, may well be referred to in a later prophetic book that we receive as a part of our Hebrew biblical canon, this may be a book that was found later and really is a second telling of our early biblical canon. It may very well be that the authorship behind it is a different authorship. So it really may be a different telling, not just a second telling by the very same divine-ish authorship of these first books, but it may really be a second telling. The reason why I bring all this up is that we're about to look at a story that we looked at not that long ago. We just learned not so long ago in Parshat, Lecha, the story of the spies. Those who were sent into the land when God said, send forth scouts, spies into the land, go have them look into the land and see what they can find. And then they came back and we heard their reports. And there were consequences to those reports and now we're going to see the deuteronomy we're going to see the second telling of that story and we're going to look at the consequences and in the second telling of this story in hearing a story for a second time as is always the case when you hear a story for a second time we can learn new things this time i'm not going to ask us to look side by side at the narrative the first one we saw it and second when we saw it in Devarim, but rather we're going to look at what the commentators have to say about this particular framing in the book of Devarim. got it? So let's take a look as it appears in the first chapter in the 25th verse. And they took up in their hands from the fruit of the Aretz, from the land. Which land? Aretz. Yisrael, and who Yikud, Who took it in their hands? The spies, right? All of all of the spies. They all they all took up some of them, all of them. They took up the fruit. Vayoridu elenu. Oh, my eyesight's going. elenu. Vayashivu otanu davar vayomaru. So they went. Uh, they went. They took it with them, and they went down to us, and they. Um, they kind of sat, they returned to us, right? They, they, uh, put upon us and they returned to us, this davar, this word saying to us, Tova Haaretz, the land is good. Asher Adonai elohenu notain Lanu. That the Lord our God is giving to us or gives to us. Got it? So what is good? The land. The land. What's their proof? look at this fruit it's delicious right and then what do they say what follows that part of their report but what uh, there are big beautiful giants in the sky right as sondheim would say i always i've i someday i'll do my take on shlach Lachan into the woods they're really there are great there are great giants in the land the land is beautiful it's flowing with milk and honey look at these delicious fruits taste these fruits The people, though, we have some things to warn you about with the people. Okay, so we're going to look at the commentary. And first, Nachmanides, Ramban, has a wonderful question that he thinks we should ask ourselves about this set of verses. He says, "Uh uh-oh, did we make a mistake in believing Kalev and Yehoshua? Who are Caleb and Joshua? Who are Caleb and Yoshua in this narrative? They are the two who what? They came back. They They are known as the spies who made the good reports. They came back and they said, don't you worry. Whatever is there, we can take them. We've got it. Not only can we take them, God will make sure that we can take them. They came back and they're known as those spies. He said, should we have believed them though? think about this for a minute. He said, who who are those who spoke well of the land? These were Joshua and Caleb. And he said, that's what, uh, he says that Rashi's language in the Sifre, uh, meaning Rashi, the 11th to 13th century commentator, French commentator, that when he reads the Sifre, which is an old commentary, he reads that verse chapter 1 verse 25 saying that it was caleb and joshua who came back and said that the land was good but Nachmanides says no that's not what happened what happened was everybody came back and said the fruit is delicious caleb and joshua said let's go and the rest of them said the fruit's delicious but the people are terrifying there's no way we can take this land. And he asks, I wonder, if so, what is this complaint against them? It was, was it proper that they, our people, should have believed 10 people more than two? Wasn't the testimony of 10 people, the 10 reports of the people who came back, shouldn't that have been believed over the two reports? of caleb and of joshua you have a question or a thought yeah, well, mm-hmm. so. All right so alan reads this verse and says listen just like caleb and joshua said this land is a share no 10 lanu god is giving this land to us whoever is is saying these words believes it's given to us we're going to persevere we're going to be fine in that land but it's possible for something to be given to you and for that thing to still be a challenge for for you to be given something. And yet, you know, it's like when you're it's like when somebody uh, gives you a, a gift and then it turns out there are 385 steps to assemble it, um, which I speak, I speak from experience as a, a parent after every birthday party. Um, and multiply that by all the gifts. So uh, that that's just a microcosmic idea compared to the land of Israel. But I think I think that the read on this from Nahmanides is if this verse were were actually spoken by all of the spies, which is how he's reading it, then the problem here is that we believed the reports of two people over the reports of ten people. Is that did we stop to think about that? This seems to be a bit of an issue. Hmm. It is hard to go against the crowd, Irv. I agree. These were pretty loud reports. So was that the issue? Is that why we believe them? He is going to come up with what he says is the correct interpretation is he is going to come there. Maybe you read ahead. But if you didn't read ahead, do you have a thought about why he's going to say it was correct? He's going to believe it was correct to believe Caleb and Joshua. Don't worry. Nachmanides thinks we did the right thing, believing Caleb and Joshua. But, oh, Irv, read ahead. Anyone else have a thought on why? Okay. Sandra didn't read ahead and she wants to. So there's some thought that the testimony that human beings give that supports what God foretold has weight, has more weight. Okay. So perhaps it was that Caleb and Yoshua, when they were speaking, they were the ones to follow because what then? Right, They were leaders. And what was it exactly that the other 10 spies were saying? So then what? What if we didn't follow? Okay, so now what? Who do we follow? Right, they're speaking out of fear. And then also, what are the consequences of that? The consequences are, then is their story over? Right, if we don't follow God, then who do we follow? If we don't believe that this land was meant to be given to us, then what do we do next? If we can't go into this land that's flowing with milk and honey, now what? It's not only a downer, it's actually the end of a story. So perhaps that too stops it. And I'll take these two comments, and then we're going to find out what Nahmanides thinks, yeah, or or questions. Great, what a wonderful point by by Nikki. So the, the the like, bad news, good news. What you need is accurate spies, right? What we were told is send some people to land to scout it and tell us what's there. Great that like that the plums are delicious. I'm so glad to know that, right? Like, or more accurately, the uh, the dates, right? The dates are fantastic. Um, but what we really need to know is what we're facing militarily, right? and we need to prepare ourselves as a people. So bad or good, we really need to know what we're coming to. So does it really make it such that they're bad spies? They're actually accurate if those people are there, unless unless they're not actually huge and terrifying enemies whom we face but rather they're only huge and terrifying because they're facing those people from a point and a place of fear and that's one of the questions that our commentators are asking so i'm completely with you and there's a live and open question among our commentators how terrifying were those people when they saw them was it just a matter of perspective so that's that's the open question yeah 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 maybe maybe there's something worthy So your 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 suspicion is that they sent all short people and they were all terrified because everyone was no. it it is very right. It's it might be it might be a very scary experience. You're right to go and find people who had been not slaves for the past 400 some years, not coming out of trauma, not necessarily coming as a ragtag band of people, but rather coming and and facing a people who are militarily trained. Yes, not in this case. Yeah, Uh, AJ, yes. Yeah. So it's not necessarily about even the perception it uh about whether or not some people saw the people of the land as being intimidating or not, the kind of barrier that you can uh, approach or not, what we should be willing to do or not, what the reality was or not. It was whether or not they were willing to believe in that sort of, um, in, in the meaning of that phrase as the land that God is giving to us, and whether or not that miracle was not necessarily guaranteed, but if we do it, then God will if we fight it, then God will. If we approach it, then God will meet us there. And uh, and you're you're ready to reject the idea that you know if, if people don't believe in miracles, then perhaps it, it simply won't happen for them. Uh, I want to stop us there because we're never going to get through these sources if we if we uh, don't actually finish out what Nachmanides really thinks and then get on to the next source. But I know there are more thoughts out there, so hold those thoughts and we'll keep moving. I want us to get to his idea of the correct interpretation. He says the correct interpretation is as I have already explained there. Thank you very much. He means um, in the commentary above. Uh, All the spies admitted before Moshe and Aharon and the whole congregation saying we came into the land that you sent us to and surely it flowed with milk and honey. Here's the fruit that we got out of it. And thus they were all in consensus on the goodness of the land, as in the land was tova areti. She It was a good land, but with reference to the strength of those nations living there, they melted the people's hearts. Is his is his um, uh, phrase melted the people's hearts? Is not our saying melted the peace, people's hearts? It was that they moved them, as in ten people can be very convincing oh for the people okay they really moved people about the about how strong the people were meaning everybody agreed that the land was wonderful but they came in with an additional commentary, not on the land, but on the people who were living there. Then when the 10 spies saw that Joshua and Caleb were encouraging the people to wage war, it was that the spies came to the children of Israel, not there gathered in the presence of Moshe, and they disseminated a slanderous report about the land to the effect that it is a land that eats up the inhabitants there. This is what Moshe meant when he stated that you murmured in the tents the people also did not mention the slander in the presence of moshe because he meaning moshe would refute them because they meaning the spies themselves did not say so at first that the land kills its inhabitants rather at first remember they came back and they gave the report oh it flows with milk and honey meaning what did they say at first when everyone was gathered the line that was given from all of the spies was beautiful land, lovely land, terrific land. But then when they saw that Caleb and Joshua were encouraging people, so now let's go. They went and they said to people, you know, before we go over there, you just need to know this thing. The people who are there, terrifying. I don't think we should go in. And it was the way that they went about this. And it's, he takes that from this idea of the murmurings in the tents that it was that they went behind the back of all the leadership to go and murmur and sow this discontent oh we shouldn't go in there and wage war go to sforno on the following page and Sporno says sforno sports this idea supports this idea <laughs> i'm gonna use that another time sforno a 15th century italian commentator says uh ha harishayim hodu they they agreed they praised the goodness of the land when they said it's also it's also a, a land of milk and honey they're saying even the problematic spies came back and their report about the land was good the land wasn't the scary part they too reported that the land was good that wasn't the problematic thing about their report go to the mall on the next page the Malbim says something a little bit building on this idea. So they were sent about this. I was going to go through this particular commentary in Hebrew, but we're going to run out of time. So for they were sent about this to see the goodness of the land, right? To Boha Aretz. Since they were sent about this detail, they had to give an answer to those that sent them. And they admitted about this, meaning the spies who we consider to be the quote-unquote bad spies, problematic spies, it is a good land from the perspective of it being that God is no ten lanu, that's giving it to us, that if the Lord gives it to us miraculously, there's no objection about the land itself. And Moshe did not mention that which they said which was way back in the other book, not in the second telling. However, the people who inhabit the country are powerful as this was not an answer because this is not this, it was all zet. you can see in the Hebrew all zet lo nishlachu, they were not sent to report on the people there. Moses said, oh, whoa, 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 I did not send you to report on the people living there. That is not what I sent you to spy on. What did I send you to spy on? The land. What is God giving us? The land. So what are you supposed to spy on? The land. Right. They came back and they said a lot more things in Bamidbar than are recounted by Moshe here in Tvarim. And Malbim, the Malbim notices that as well. But what he says is that the problem was that when they came back to give the report, and especially that's why I included the, the part about the public, Nachmanides' trouble with what was reported in public. What their job was, was to come back and report to Moshe and to the people on the land, not on the people there. And this is what they have trouble with. But of course, this is a problem. That's not how we live. Is that how we live? Do we live seeing land and not the people who live on it? Boy, that is, that's really challenging. However, they said, the people who inhabit this country are powerful. So, the mob beam says, the people should not have paid attention to this since they gave a positive answer to that which they uh, were sent about. So, they did first give that positive report. And regarding that which they said, the people are powerful, they were not sent about that. So, if you, why does that remind you of the vow that if you say something the day you heard it, it's valid? Right, so yes, this is this is not problem that they did not say in that moment, and by the way, also the people who live in that land are are terrifying. yes, Alan mm-hmm. 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 right, and that goes back to AJ's point about faith and about the belief in the semi miraculous to the miraculous and whether or not we are okay with people not living in that spirit and whether or not we're okay with people reporting, not in that spirit. I'm going to invite you on your own time to read this other piece about testimony from the Mishnah Torah, because what I want to do is bring you back to a little bit of resonance, a little bit of consonance, trying to make ourselves feel like we can maybe understand from the perspective of the rabbis, Why it was that it bothered them so very much that the spies who were sent to scout out a land came back and commented on the people. After all, when we go and we look at a land, so long as we are going to look at a land for the purpose of potentially inhabiting it, presumably we are going there to at least interface a little bit with the people who live there. Whether it's for the sake of conquering it, cohabiting there, cohabitating there, whether it's for the sake of ourselves going to live in and among those people, we assume that we are going to look at the people who are also there. So I am trying to understand what it is that's so bothersome about a report that says that there are people in that land who are too powerful. And I can come up with two things. And I'll I'll welcome your opinions later because we're going to completely run out of time. So you'll come to me and you'll tell me what your opinions are later. But here are my two opinions. They're very closely related. I think that the rabbis are troubled by the idea that we would imagine that a people living in that land and that we as a people, meaning we as a people B'nai Yisrael, as we existed wandering through the Midbar, were stagnant, stagnant, that we were stagnant and unable to change, comparatively to a land. Of course, a land too can change, but very slowly and over a long period of time. But people do change and sometimes radically so. To declare that people are such, people are, he's mean, She's awful. I can't do that. I'll never be this. I'll never be organized. We'll never be capable of X. That was one of the greatest sins of B'nai Yisrael is we'll never be insert anything. B'nai Yisrael was so certain, not only in their inability to, to not remain faithful uh, and and not be able to believe that God would bring to them what they needed to have, but actually to be sure that they couldn't maintain themselves all through the midbar as a people. There's no certainty there. There's no certainty in the wilderness of that people yet that they're going to be able to gel as a people form as a people shift and change as a people. They were flat out, not ready and in fact, one of the explorations from this morning that I made is that that's part of the reason why there is a whole generation that needed to pass in that wilderness. But people change. They really do change. So to make a report about the people who live in the land cannot be said, not only in the same breath, not even in, certainly not in the same breath, but also not even in a different breath and in whispers. It's a completely different beast. It's not only that the land itself is a completely different report. It's that when you see people who are in a land, those are the people who are in a land now, and perhaps those won't be the same people who are in the land later. It's that those are the people who are in the land now, but what if different people are in charge later? It's that maybe those are the people who are in the land still when we encounter it, but what if we're stronger later? What if we have new leadership later? What if we've grown then? So to believe in that is to believe in a growth mindset and to believe that the universe changes and to believe that even though land is land and this is the land that's being given to us, God gives land, but God does not give who we are and God doesn't give who other people are. That's constantly shifting and that's constantly changing. So if I'm going to believe there's a difference in the reports, that's what I can believe that there's something to believing that people can change, even our enemies maybe especially our enemies, believing that that was the report then. But perhaps the report can change, and that there's always a possibility for shift, both for our enemies and also for us. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site, or wherever you get your podcasts.